0: Tonight, on A Conversation with Brian, we have Dr. Tina Bogren. Tina Bogren is a fierce advocate for educators and an award-winning educator, best-selling author, and highly sought-after speaker. She has proudly served as classroom teacher, mentor, instructional coach, and building level leader, and has presented for audiences all around the world. Tina has written numerous books, including her newest one, Educator Wellness, a guide for sustaining physical, mental, emotional, and social well-being, as she co-authored this book with Dr. Tim Kainold. She is also a contributing author of the newest Solution Tree book, Women Who Lead, Insights, Inspiration, and Guidance to Grow as an Educator. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome to a conversation with Brian, Dr. Tina Boogren. Tina, welcome to a conversation with Brian.
1: I'm so excited. This feels like a long time coming. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you.
0: You know, it's funny because the last time we were on a, a Zoom together was with you, me, and Tim Kanold And I don't know if you remember,
1: Oh, I do. <laughs> you know what's coming,
0: right? The water. Yes, yes. The water. You know, I, I went for a bike ride today and then I went and worked out. And I said, I got to drink my water. I got to make sure I'm hydrated because I don't want a, the, the same thing to happen to me that happened before because I caught this huge cramp and I was down for the count. And I got back up and you and Tim were laughing at me. So I, went, I wanted to it make was sure was okay. It was
1: a, like you were there and then you were gone. <laughs> We thought we had bored you to death. Oh, man, that that
0: was pretty funny. Well, again, thanks for joining me. Um, you know, Tina, on each one of my shows, I ask my guests to really talk as much as you like about your personal story and your professional journey. And so who is Tina Bogren?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I, first of all, I love your podcast, so this feels so fun to be to be in the, on this side of it. Um, so my background, my educational background... Um, I started as, um, well, I'm actually going to back up. And before I even get there, I started at the University of Iowa. I was an English major. Um, I, I wanted to be a writer. And senior year of college, I had the panic moment of, oh my gosh, I have this English degree, but I don't know what that job is. And so the very last semester, I decided to hook on to get a secondary teaching license. I I decided to high school English teacher. I would just have this as kind of a backup. Um, And of course, I've done nothing else. So I fell into it and and loved it. Um, And the funny part was when I, when I, decided to move towards education everyone in my life was like finally she figured it out I mean unbeknownst to me everyone else knew I should have been a teacher I taught my stuffed animals I taught tennis lessons I was always signing up to do mentoring like I'm kind of a born teacher but I don't I don't come from a family of teachers so Mm -hmm. I guess I just hadn't pursued that and now it's like I can't imagine doing anything else so I got my secondary teaching license and was able to finagle my way to student teach out here in Colorado, which is what got me out here. And I got placed, I wanted to be a high school English English teacher and I got placed for my student teaching at the middle school level. And I cried, I was like, oh God, I don't, I hated middle school, I don't wanna go back. And then I never left, I like fell in love with it. So um, most of my experience was at the middle school level. I was a teacher, then I got to be an instructional coach, which I absolutely loved. Specifically, I got to work with new teachers, which was fantastic. I spent a year as an assistant principal at the middle school level, which I learned a lot. I always say my gray hair started started there, but those are my best stories. And then, gosh, it's been over 12 years now, which is just crazy to me that I have worked um, starting on the Marzano Resources side of the house and now feed on both sides between Marzano and Solution Tree, kind of finding my footing. I started out doing all of my work was, was representing Dr. Marzano's exquisite work around instruction. And then just, it kept kind of tweaking from there of that instructional piece through the lens of new teachers. And then how do we support new teachers? And then how do we, I I wrote a book specifically thinking about it written towards the audience of new teachers themselves. And then through all of it, there's just been this little kind of scratch of, it's the theme that's come up in every single book of all of this work, all of the instructional pieces rest on having a a well, A-W-E-L-L, a well, a well yeah. human delivering that. And I've been on this crusade, if you will, of of self-care, wellness, whatever term we want to utilize for a long yeah. time. And then COVID just blew it all up yeah. even more so. Yeah.
0: So, you know, when, when we talk about your professional journey, there's got to be a personal piece to that, right? And so sure. you talked about the, you know, you were kind of led to be a teacher. I mean, you, everything that you did, although you didn't think about it, somebody right. had to yep. tell you. Like, so who were those people who influenced you?
1: Yeah, I had amazing teachers. I had amazing teachers. Yeah. I, I distinctly, my very first book, Supporting giving Teachers, like the dedication is to those, those specific teachers that I remember. I mean, way back to... And this loops into why I was an English teacher in college. So my third grade teacher, Carol Gormans was a writer. Like she wrote books. And I remember like, wow. and she was the one that said to me, you are an amazing writer. And so I had in my head this whole time of wanting to be a writer um, and had, like I said, I had amazing teachers, but I hadn't thought, here's the interesting part the job I have now conducting workshops and keynotes. I, was not a leader in that traditional sense. I hated giving speeches. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was not the kid that was told to, to be quiet in class. I was the one that the teacher said she should speak up more. So it's this crazy turn in life, but um, lots of really incredible teachers leading the way and, and a super supportive family and parents that pursue, you know, go be a writer, go, go follow that piece and no push of like, What are you going to do with your English degree? It was my realization of like, I don't know what that job looks like. Yeah.
0: Well, it was in the cards for you. I mean, I think so. Being a writer, I I mean, you've written how many books? I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. In this newest book, this is a great segue. This newest book, Educator Wellness, who you wrote with my great friend, Tim Cano. It's, Uh, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Now I was digging into it and I I really felt like um, a lot of what you and Tim wrote. I was experienced, I have experience, and one of the things that I am um, really was um, impressed with, Tina, is your vulnerability. You know, mm-hmm. after each one of those um, dimensions in your book, you you have four dimensions, and we'll get, get into that, you all talk about your stories, and you really mm-hmm. are vulnerable. I mean, it's really yeah. like, wow, if they can be vulnerable, then, you know, we don't have to be perfect, right?
1: Oh, thank you. That... That was one of the, the fastest connections that Tim and I made together was that, that belief and willingness of whenever I talk about wellness, I always say, I am not shouting from a mountain like I have this yeah. figured out. I walk beside you of, gosh, I, I have a sticky note right here on my desk that says, teach what you most need to learn. And I live by that. Like I, I really, the wellness piece going back to the personal side too, when I, when I started this job in particular, I've had moments of it as we all had of, of, of touching burnout, right. When things yeah. get hard, yeah. this job, um, as you know, the travel really got to me and I, I, sure. I, I said yes to everything. Yeah. I, you Thank know, you. and I got in over my head and I pretended that everything was fine and it was not, I was not taking care of myself. And so I hit a real crash of like, something has to change. And The irony was that when I hit that moment was when I was co-authoring the book, Motivating and Inspiring Students. You know how the universe tends to give us signals, right? And that book, we utilized Maslow's Hierarchy. I I co-authored it with Dr. Marzano, where we were talking about all the strategies, social-emotional learning strategies for students, and it was the aha of... I'm not doing this for myself, right? So I started at the, the bottom of the, starting with the the physiological wellness. And it's why we start in our book the first dimension is physical wellness. Because if we if we don't feel good, we don't we don't show up as our best selves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's go through your book because I, yeah. I really um want people to kind of show get, me
1: what's on your sticky notes.
0: You know, wellness I mean, get a get a um a window into your book. You know, on my first my my first sticky note. Um, I have Brian, this is you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then, my, then I have I other go. other sticky notes where I have Brian, this is definitely you. Brian, you need to work on this. Brian, you have, you have, as you all say, ebbed and flowed. And so yeah. let, let's talk about the, the four dimensions and each, and I like it because in each dimension, you have three routines that you talk about that we can work on. And I think it, it just, one, it's an easy read, but two, it really helps you reflect and really d- dig deep into yourself. And those first three dimensions, as you and Tim talk about, it's about self. We yeah. gotta get those right, because the fourth dimension, the social one, really is about that relationships for what we ultimately are trying to do is to be- make yeah. sure that we are well for these students. Yep. So let's start with the, the physical dimension. you talk about food, movement and sleep. Talk about those and why those are so important. I, it, it sounds yeah. like like a uh, duh, like we should know that. I know but, it, but it's I know. not.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean w- whenever I do workshops and talk with teachers, I always and educators in general, I always say, you know, we know we know these. Yeah. The one that's interesting or the, the piece that, that Tim and I were really thoughtful about is instead of saying diet, exercise and sleep. We specifically say food routines, movement routines and sleep routines, because we're not talking about shame. Right. This sure. is not about going a specific diet or what we really tie this to that that opening part of that chapter says when we feel better, we are better. Yeah. And so it's literally self-care in the truest form. Are we eating? Are we nourishing ourselves? Are we staying hydrated? Are we drinking the stupid water yeah. movement, not as a punishment for something we ate, but to honor ourselves and do what feels good. And then that sleep and rest part so this is the one that's tricky because like you, you know, we look at we look at the dimensions and all of us at self-reflection, m- many of us start here at physical wellness and go, oh God, I have a lot to work on, right? And yeah. it's it's not about that. It's the recognition of number one, that that we're worthy of working on those things and that when we do take care of ourselves at this most basic level, it absolutely, I can draw a line to student achievement, right? Like, yeah. because I know if I am not sleeping let's take sleep right if i am not getting enough sleep i interact with people differently particularly students i have quicker that's when we start getting into those those like quick reactions rather than responses so yes that most essential level
0: and in your book you 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 say sleep but it's not just sleep because you talk about rest as well
1: yes and what it what a crazy concept to think about resting through the day. We talk about it in a 24 hour cycle. Yeah. I don't think we allow ourselves time for rest. And by rest, we mean, I mean, ideally everyone's like, does this mean I get to take a nap? Like probably right. not during our <laughs> day, but we can pause for a second and take a couple deep breaths of like, sure. with the rat race, the the running all the time. How do we find moments of calm during the day? And just to kind of woo, reset ourselves.
0: Yeah. You know, the the that piece is, is really important. I, I often think about just, and you talk about this a little bit in the book, you know, the, the number of things that are on teacher's plates. And you yes. talk about the decisions, you know, decisions. like 30 some thousand decisions or something yeah. crazy like that. You know, and, and so that the stress level becomes at times it affects that first part, the the, the, the physical piece, because I have to be honest, there were times during this pandemic and times in my life before when I've de- dealt with, you know, challenging mental health issues that when that stress comes, that's when I want to eat more. That's when I I don't want to, I don't want to exercise, right? How do, exercise how do you help it? teachers understand to, to, to help them realize that all the things that they're, that, that, that's, that's coming, coming at them. Coming at them they have to be able to manage that in a way that's going to allow them to have some balance.
1: Oh, great. Could not agree more. And that is, you're so spot on in those four dimensions. They just, they inner, they just loop back yeah. and forth in and out of each other. You mentioned the, in the second dimension, that mental wellness, the first piece of that are those decision-making routines. And that's the recognition of 35,000 decisions, right. 1500 educational decisions. So what we recommend for that is being able to automate and regulate some of those habits
0: right
1: and which loops us back to if we can regulate and automate like food routines so that there's, there's, um, I found, I found research that said we make 226.7 decisions about food each day. And when I first heard that, I'm like, no way. And then I thought about it more, and I'm like, no, nope, I think about food all day long. That's yeah. probably right. right? <laughs> yeah. But if we, if we think of if we have this finite number of good decisions we can make, let's not waste 226 of them on food. So. Sure if we loop back to physical wellness can we plan our lunch the night before and this is where it's tricky cuz different strategies work for different people so for me i basically eat the same breakfast and lunch every single day that doesn't bother me but that for other people that's not a good idea but so then they have to find you know what are those those small little pieces for movement a commitment that I made a few years ago was rather than saying, I used to, I used to say exercise, maybe like, I'm going to work out four days a week. So Monday would roll around. I'm certainly not working out on Monday because I got six days left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, it would become this, think of how many choices and decisions I was making. Yes, no, yes, no. Yeah. Where now my commitment is I move my body every day. Yeah. That could be some sort of formal workout, it could be a walk, it could be whatever it is. So I'm removing the decision. So I'm trying to get back that brain power to save that decision making for students for instruction for like, for those important pieces.
0: But I also think it does is it takes away the pressure, because, you know, sometimes people feel like they have to do a certain exercise. To be able to say, Oh, I, I exercise. If right. you can just get out and walk for 10 or 15 minutes and then come back and then get out and walk for 10 minutes, you're moving, right? Moving.
1: And to think of the movement as again, not not a punishment for something we ate, but for loving sure. our body. I, I I think you know this. I call my walks AAW's, which is attitude adjustment walk, right? yeah. <laughs> My walks are way more for my own mental health and well-being sure. than for exercise. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and we'll jump into um, some of the other uh, dimensions in a few seconds. But one of the things that you have kind of distinguished um, in your book, and in, in I've I listened to some of your podcasts recently, is this idea of um, the difference between you know, wellness and self care. Like just because self care has gotten to that, that, that term has gotten to mean for me like an event it's Agreed. not an event, right?
1: Yes. I could not agree more. In fact, I cringe now when I hear it because it's been it it's been kind of twisted. So, yeah. I was talking about self-care, you know, pre-pandemic and um tried to define it as the, the the most basic sense of the word of caring for ourselves, right? And it has turned into um exactly as you said, an event. Um, I've called it sometimes like consumer self-care it's being advertised to us. If you buy this, no, no, we shouldn't have to buy anything. And it's another thing for so many of us. And I would, I would venture to say women in particular, it's another thing to feel guilty about. Like, I don't, I just, it's another thing on the list that I can't get to. And that is the exact opposite. So I've shifted to I still believe in my definition definition of self-care, of just thinking about different choices that we make. All of these pieces would be considered self-care. But I've shifted to using the term wellness because it it just sits differently these days. Well-being, I'm hearing a lot. You know, there's a lot of talk now about moving beyond self-care. And I would agree with that, but I would also say that that definition is also how I define self-care. So it's all sure. in precision around definitions, but yeah. I could not agree more. It's not an event. It's not a, if we think of self-care as, you know, vacations and eating chocolate and wine, all of which I am for, right, then that. That doesn't help us go to work on Monday. Like I talk about these two different types of self-care. There's that true indulgence piece of it. And there's a place for that. My goodness, we need that. But, you know, Tim and I's mantra in the Educator Wellness is, is the LYBL, live your best life, which means what does it look like to live your best life on a Tuesday in January at school, right? Like Because if we just wait to live our best lives on vacation or when we retire or when our kids grow up, we are missing all those beautiful moments, and especially those moments with students.
0: Yeah, so let's go to um, the the mental piece. Um, yeah, a little bit more. Just when we talk about efficacy, can you talk about you know what do you mean by that? Because I, I think sometimes people are not clear um, on on that term, and, and and how do you use that in, in the in the context of wellness?
1: Yeah. So this is where we start really thinking about, this is a lot of Dr. Kristen Neff's work around that self-compassion piece where we, gosh, we just speak kindly to ourselves. I often talk about this in terms of that voice inside our heads. For many of us, that voice is so much more of an inner critic than an inner friend. You know, Kristen Neff would describe it as if we're saying things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to someone that we love to stop saying that to ourselves, this is that just how we speak to ourselves sure. really matters. And it this kind of pulls in that growth mindset piece of how we, that willingness to believe that we can get better, we can do this, that we can, we have the tools and the skills to be able to get a little bit better helps us and when we when we track our progress that speaks to that efficacy piece that making progress just a little bit at a time is essential
0: you know it's 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 a challenge for educators and i I think educators just in my travels are as hard on on themselves as any any people and 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 we we don't toot our own horns one no we don't but we also tend and i and i put myself in this category we tend to hear the one percent of the noise that's negative yeah as opposed to the 99 percent that's positive yep. and we blow the one percent up as if it, yes. it was 99 percent.
1: yep yep and that is just human nature right that is just that's I always share, like, you know, we get evaluations for our job, right? And yep. we'll have 200 people fill out an evaluation, and that one comment that just when, deflates us. Oh, yeah,
0: right? it in your head, right? You're like, yes oh, wow.
1: Forever. We can Great. still yeah. mention the one comment that we got, but we can't mention all the good ones, right? That yeah. piece is huge, yeah. yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the other dimension, The emotional dimension and you have three routines, awareness, understanding and mindfulness. Let's kind of walk through those, you know, in terms of awareness. And I, 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 again, they sound self-explanatory, but but there's something that you have to be strategic and purposeful to make sure that you're incorporating those into your lives.
1: Yeah, and this dimension is the interesting one, where this one, these routines go in order. So the awareness to the understanding to the mindfulness. So we say step one is you have to be aware of your emotions. This is the area that I'm actually working on the most. I I hate this area. (laughs) I am I am not, I'm an Enneagram 3, if you, if anyone knows the Enneagram. I do not like emotions. I don't have time for them. Like, I just, right. Just well, in, in,
0: in your story, it says you stuff them. You you <laughs> stuff
1: them down, you know. <laughs> right? I got work to do. I don't have time for that. So I'm, yeah. I am working on this one. But so first of all, it is that awareness. And to me, a lot of this is a mind-body connection of like, how am I feeling in this moment? Like, what are those emotions? you know, we wrote the book right before it got published, right before Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart came out. Um, So I'm incorporating that into the workshop. It doesn't show up in the book, but it's it's identifying. There's so many emotions that we never think about. Most people, you would say the emotions are happy, sad, and mad, but there's a whole spectrum of them. And and we pulled a lot of Mark Brackett's work from permission to feel of identifying in this moment, how am I feeling? So first, just an awareness, which goes back to rest. We have to slow down long enough to be able to identify that. So during the day, the pause of like, in this moment, how am I feeling? And then tracing those emotions back to understanding where they're coming from. And that's a a hard thing to do of like, Gosh. And there's, a, there's the emotions get so tricky of like, am I, I feel like I'm mad, but am I mad? Or am I, am I embarrassed by something that happened earlier? Yeah. Or am I, am I really just frustrated or my feelings are hurt or I'm actually sad, but it's showing up as mad. Cause there's only so many ways we can show emotions yeah. The perfect example I always say is I have the a tendency when I, when I am mad, it shows up as tears. So then people think I'm sad and they feel sorry for me. And it just makes me more mad because I'm actually angry, <laughs> but it comes out as as tears. So being aware of those, understanding those. And then the third piece of that, that mindfulness means you know, not recognizing emotions are not good or bad. It's how we respond to them. And that pause, this is where we talk about that difference between a reaction and a response to emotions. Ideally, we would like to have a thoughtful response rather than a quick reaction. Quick reactions are what tend to get us in trouble. That's our quick. Sure. Flippant comment or something that we do that we end up regretting. We've all been there before, but it's all seeped up in emotions. And I say this one, this emotional awareness piece, I think, is so huge right now. We 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 know teachers have said last year that they've seen student behavior that they've never seen before. And one of the out-of-control behavior, and something that I've had conversations with is it makes perfect sense to me that, that student behavior is out of control because adult behavior is out of control. And I don't mean educators, I mean adults, right? And the reason adults, one of the reasons adult behavior is out of control is because everyone is feeling anxious. We know that in order to feel safe, we need order, predictability, and fairness. And that's kind of what COVID removed for us. And so when we don't feel safe, the emotion that's tied to that is anxiety. So the whole world is feeling anxious. And when we're anxious, we are not our best selves. This is when we're I mean you and I have seen it the airport behavior I've been traveling for 12 years and what I've seen in the past year is unlike anything I've ever seen similar to students in the classroom so that emotional wellness piece is huge and this is where the adults like as educators we have got to be aware of our emotions and understand where they come from because that piece in the classroom translates like the mere neurons we feed off of each other's emotions this one's a Doozy, yeah,
0: you know in in the you know again, in your book, you talk about this you know idea of stress and, and again anxiety and in itself, stress is not a bad thing, but prolong no. prolonged stress yeah is, that's and that's what we've thing. been under prolonged stress, and that that yes. changes your brain
1: yes, yes, no? do you remember this is I can't believe I'm about to say this. This was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. There was, I believe it was a New York Times article. The title of the article was, Your Surge Capacity is Depleted. It's Why You Feel So Awful. Yeah. And it was at the heart, the start of COVID, about six months into it, yeah. of the idea that we can handle a crisis. It's This is like when, when a traumatic event occurs, we somehow are able to dig in and get through it and then it's done. And afterwards we look back and think, my God, how was I able to do that? Yeah. So we're able to do it that short term, but our brains were not set yeah. up for this. We're three years into it, yeah. right? Like, yeah. oh.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it's like, again, you're like uh, your your circuit breaker just shuts off. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. Um, the social uh, dimension um, in those three routines, relationships, trust, and purpose. Again, the the first three really are about ourselves. Yeah. Okay? But then the the last one is really about you know how we influence and affect others, right? Yeah. And so, and so you know, talk about again that relationship, that the trust, because you know building trust is is huge, right? And and yeah. I, I like in your your story. I'm not going to tell you. Well, sorry, it's a bug. Sorry, <laughs> no, I, I like um in, in your your social story that you tell about this idea of how you build trust. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, and exactly as you said, we move from those first three routines are, uh, it's all that personal work that we, no one can do that for us. And that is like, those are, those, those dimensions are just, that's, that's really, if you want to think about that self-care and then that shift that social wellness piece, I sometimes, it's a shift from self-care to that kind of collective care. And this is, Tim Tim coined this phrase and I use it all the time, which I love is, you know, we have a social sector profession. We don't show up and work in a cubicle we work with others and and the majority of us work with small people, kids so the relationship piece and the colleagues like we are just how we interact with each other and we know right now in particular we're all very worried about attrition and attracting new teachers. And one of the things for certain is there has to be a sense of belonging. In fact, teachers are much more likely to stay if they have a true friend at work. Yeah. So how are we building those relationships? those social connections, in order to do that, we need the trust. And this is where we talk about the, the which comes first, trust or vulnerability. And like, we, we like to have that discussion. The reality is the vulnerability comes first when you're willing to be vulnerable then you're much more likely, you just get to that deeper level of that connection and relationship, that true sense of belonging. And gosh, just groups that I work with that are hanging through these past few years, the ones that truly feel like they're gonna stay and they're gonna make it to the other side. When I ask why, what is the difference? What is going on there? They have a team that they have they've weathered this together. In fact, as hard as it's been with students, they're, they are closer with those students, particularly that first group of students that they went through, like saying goodbye to them was so hard because those relationships and they built that trust over time has been essential. And then that final, the final routine of purpose, this is reconnecting to our why. And I think a lot of us this is not a blame. This is just a fact. Lost our why over these last few years. The job is so hard. And what we know is when we lose our why, that's one of the first first indications of burnout. One of my recommendations for schools and staff and individual teachers has been to spend some time before the next school year starts and revisit, remind yourself of your why. Like it maybe has been a little while since you've thought about it and maybe your why has changed since COVID. We've learned a lot, like life kind of settled out in different ways.
0: You know, I also heard on um, you and Tim talking about, and, and this is the other thing that's great, great, great about your book. You have these um, these little videos.
1: Yeah, you the QR can, codes. Yes, yeah, so you can know. just
0: actually put your phone up and yes. pop those QR codes um, videos up, and they are wonderful. They really are great professional learning opportunities for teams and staff. They're very short, and I, I love those. Um,
1: Thank you. I
0: think I lost my train of thought, but um, one of the things that I think I, I heard um, you say when um, talking with Tim. In that idea of trust is this idea of deep listening. Yeah. And, and Tim gave you a compliment. He said, "You know, Tina, you're a great deep listener." And you're like, "No, I'm an interrupter. I got to work I'm an on an Interrupter. This. So <laughs> talk a little bit about that because I'm an interrupter. Like my my uh, co-principal partner um, and one of my co-authors of my uh, my book, Diane Kerr. She's the most exquisite deep listener. I mean, you you oh. always feel like you're the only person in the room. <laughs> and i'm the person who is like looking at my phone and and interrupting because i want to tell my story and so talk a little bit about how you worked on that
1: god it is just it is a constant work in progress yes it is it is um it's an excitement piece when i'm talking with someone else that but gosh when you have someone that is a really good listener it reminds you of what a gift that is like that example of diane like what a huge its just such a gift and i When I feel it, I always say, gosh, I just want to give that gift to someone else. So it is something that I have to conscious, if it is not a conscious decision, that's when I move into interrupter mode. So I have to, it's not about me. It's about listening to honoring someone else and thinking of that as a gift. And that's how you build trust and you build those deep relationships and It is an ongoing practice. I do a lot of coaching workshops and we do some activities around this. And so many people have this aha of like, and in this day and age with phones and watches buzzing and everything else, like it's become kind of a lost art.
0: Yeah. The thing I love about your book and I love about you and Tim, again, is your vulnerability and your, your willingness to share the ebbs and flows of your journey. Because we all have ebbs and flows and it's not about judgment and it's not about, you know, you did this wrong. It's about, okay, I may have taken a step back. Okay. What do I need to do now to make sure I get back onto my wellness journey? Because it really truly is first about you, but ultimately when we're talking about school, it's about how do we make sure that we're focused on student achievement?
1: Yep. Ultimately. And that's that connection to student achievement just cannot be overstated right the the what i always say is you know we know that the most direct correlation to student achievement is that teacher in the classroom we've known that forever gobs and gobs of research supporting that you wouldn't you know we always say obviously research is tricky cuz you can find two sides right if you want to find research that supports homework you'll find it you want to find research that goes against it you'll find it but that statement that is that's just woof that is yeah. we know that to be true the most direct correlation is is the teacher what i think though where we where we goofed is that we took that to mean just instruction right the teacher so we focus which my goodness of course we need to do that we need to be talking about instruction but I don't care how good the strategy is. John Hattie can have a huge effect size. Bob Marzano can hand yeah. it to us on a silver platter. If the person providing that strategy is totally depleted and worn out, it's yeah. never gonna have the effect size on students that we're looking for. And we can find, there's data that and research that shows that the teacher's emotional state is as important as instructional strategies. Yeah. So the I, I always say to people, teachers are the most caring, group right teachers and nurses like such caregivers so it's hard sometimes for teachers to think about educators to think about taking care of themselves and i always say well then do it through the lens of taking care of your students right an experiment that i always i offer is or a question is to ask educators like when they think about their their own children or nieces nephews right and they think about sending them to school and they picture that ideal teacher for their child I always say list what are those qualities and and they'll say someone who's passionate and excited and loves their job and you know has high energy and so how do we make sure that we give that same gift Um, and we you know we define educator wellness as an active process it's constant it's just like teaching there is no perfect perfect teacher right there is no perfect we're not going to be balanced in all four of these all the time instead it's why we have the language of consider and we invite readers to write their own story of like yeah. highlighting when are where are you shining and then where that that recognition that all four areas really are they're all essential so we can't just focus on one but right. it it helps with that self-reflection piece of where do I have some celebrations, and where do I know? I need to spend some time. Like I said, right now, I'm really trying to dig into that emotional wellness piece of it, to not just ignore the emotions, but to be aware of them, understand where they come from, employ mindfulness strategies.
0: and that's what helps that's what your book helps do because I in, in terms of the the reflection piece, when you can write at the end of the chapter, you know you have some questions for 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 the reader. Um, I really think it helps people really focus on some areas that they need to really work on a little bit more because we tend to gravitate towards the areas where we're, we're strong or we're doing okay. Yeah, that's okay. way more
1: fun, right? right? Yeah. Wow.
0: So I think it, you know, having them write and reflect, it really points a, a, a light and says, okay, I need to reflect on this. I need to actually do something about it. I need to make sure that I'm purposeful about it because yeah. that's the only way I'm going to get better. And this it really is. A never-ending journey of continuous right. improvement, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Agree. Agree. And that's why we have in the back all those appendices to take them or leave them. We always say different personalities, different yeah. strategies work, but some self-assessments and goal setting and ways that you can even set goals and, and think about tracking your progress along the way if that's helpful. But yes, all those and Tim and I have this vision of of working with schools where teachers not only at the start of the year create a student achievement goal but they create their own wellness goal right so that they are when we think about a professional growth plan there's no reason that wellness should not be part of that professional growth and we kind of our hope is that we provided a framework and language to be able to do that like a common way for an entire staff could work on this together someone at a workshop I hadn't even thought of this she had said Gosh, there's 12 routines. You could focus on one routine a month. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) If you think about it, and you said it earlier, I mean, we have to be well in order for students to achieve. And so we can create a student achievement goal and our wellness goal, and we can probably actually correlate how they are, you know, if if my wellness is moving forward, let's look at my student achievement. Yeah. You never know, like, you know, how that's going to, that you know, putting that in front of teachers may help them actually, you know, focus on it a little bit more.
1: Agree, agree, that's the hope for sure.
0: Yeah. This has been great, Tina, I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: my pleasure.
0: It. So before we go, let you know, tell me about, when I, if I went to a Tina Bogren workshop, um, you know, and I sat there and I, I was like, okay, fix me. <laughs> <laughs> <I would run laughs> and say
1: you do not need to be fixed <laughs> no, but
0: so I, you know what, what would it look like when i if I attended one of your workshops?
1: yeah, so it's a lot of this kind of discussion and honoring, so yeah. my goal is always to help teachers, educators in general recognize what they already are doing. Let's validate that. Let's highlight that. Like, let's celebrate that. Because there is no way, there is no one that I have worked with that does not have some celebration. Of
0: course.
1: Right? So it's highlighting that. And also, what I love to do at workshops when you get multiple people together in a room is swapping ideas. Yeah. The, I think one of the most frustrating parts about wellness is that different strategies work for different people. There is no guarantee. And something that we tend to do as humans is you know, something will work for my best friend. So I will decide to do that. And then we feel like we're failing if that doesn't work for us. But the truth is, that's the the whole personality piece of it. So it's it's swapping ideas and strategies, empowering people to share. You know, as you know, in the book, the book is kind of a pretty generalized guideline, we don't go too specific into strategies. That's what's really fun during a workshop of like, What do we know? What are strategies that work around, you know, exercise? What are things that you do to incorporate more movement throughout your day? What does that look like sharing those ideas? In fact, we have, so Tim and I are doing coming up in the fall, we have two events, an event in Plano, and an event in Westminster, Colorado, that are wellness events. They're two and a half day institutes where we do a deep dive with our colleagues, Jasmine Klar and Regina Owens, where we dig into every single one of these routines. And and the hope is that again, validate what we're doing and walk away with a plan. So it's one thing to talk about it, get excited in a workshop, but then what happens when you go back to your life and the kids still need to be fed, (laughs) groceries still need to be bought. Like how do we put, go from what I always say, going from inspiration to action? How do we put it into place?
0: Yeah, I love that you walk away with a plan because a lot of times you go to a workshop and you know the best intentions, absolutely. Know, are I'm going to get to this, but once you leave that workshop yeah. or that professional learning um, event, then you know the world happens again. Life happens again. There's so many things you know are coming at you. So if you have a plan, at least you have something on paper. Okay, this is what you know I'm going to do. I'm committing to do. Wow.
1: And we we uh, both Tim and I reference all the time the the book Atomic Habits by James Clear and the notion of just getting one percent better. Yeah. Right. These teeny, yeah. tiny little exactly. baby steps. Right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Celebrating, as you said, over and over celebrating yeah. most things. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I heard again on one of your podcasts or one of the you know interviews that you had with Tim or, or somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but it was recent that you said that, you know, we should look back at last year. The teacher should or educator should and make sure we make kind of a list of the su- successes, the celebrations mm-hmm. that because we need to make sure that we Really understand how many things we do right. Yes,
1: it would. My recommendation was to write a to-do list. Yeah, that's what we, it was. Yeah, we, we all know what a to-do list is. Yeah. but To-do, like to celebrate, because what our brains do is just again we mentioned this before that under efficacy, it just points out all the all the things that were hard and didn't go the way as we wanted to, and we miss all the amazing pieces. So, writing a to maybe writing a to-do list before you get started in the new school year, and that will help you refine. Find that purpose once again. But like instead of just saying it was a wash or it was just, oh, I want to forget about it. No, let's not forget about it. There's so many things to celebrate. What are those celebrations? Yeah.
0: Well, Tina, I, I do appreciate you. Um I don't oh, know. You, I don't not know as I much as I appreciate this. you. You might not remember this, but it was about three or four, maybe four years ago. Um, and I was flying into Denver and I texted you because we still have not met in purpose. We have in, never in met in
1: person, I know.
0: And, and um, I texted you and I was hoping that we could just get a glimpse and, and say hi, yes. but we weren't able to. And then the next time it was actually on the, um, the Zoom with Tim. Is yes. long as I actually had a chance to chat, but I yes. feel like I've, I've known you for, for a long time.
1: I could not agree more, and, so you know, I one of these you. times. Yeah,
0: exactly, and I follow you on everything, and and I just you think that, well. that you are just an amazing educator, an amazing person who influences so many people, and I, I say this at the end of all of my podcasts. Um, my dad passed away a couple of years ago, and I, um, and at his funeral, I said this old African African proverb, as I go, I am wearing you. And as you are wearing a lot of the people who influenced you to get into the profession, and I'm wearing a ton of people as well, after all my podcasts, I feel so blessed and honored to be now wearing Tina Bogren.
1: Right back at you, right back at you. You are a wonderful listener and what a gift that is. So thank you and thank you for digging into the work and actually for those, the sticky notes no, and the, not just giving lip service. No, really, to, People yes.
0: buy this book and it truly will help you. But ultimately it's gonna help really, really help a lot of students um, and, and your colleagues exactly. as well. And so again, thanks for joining me my friend and we hope to talk to you very soon.
1: Oh yeah, well, we hope to see each other in person very soon. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank